all my love it's yours no conditions when you pull me close no i won't resist here is all my love it's yours no conditions when you pull me close no i won't resist here is all my love it's yours no conditions when you pull me close no i won't resist
Yeah. 
So 
Jesus, the only one who could have saved. Worthy of every breath we could ever be. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. And I will 
declare it this morning I will build my life yeah, And I will build my life Upon your love It is a
was thinking about the Psalms where David said he was glad when they said to me, let's go up into the house of the Lord. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? I know it. Hey, there was a time when I was a Christian that I didn't like church. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to have anything to do with church. So if you had asked me that question years ago, I would have said, no, I'm not happy to be here, but I'm doing it out of obligation or something. And I know people come all different ways on Sunday morning. Some are here because they want to be. Some are here because they feel they have to be. Some are here, you know, because they feel like they're doing a duty. But this is a good place to be. And whatever your reason was this morning for coming, you made that choice to be here. And once you're here, God will speak to you, minister to you, heal you, and be here. So whatever uh, state you've come to church this morning, just try to receive from the Lord this morning. Sit back, enjoy. You know, it says in the Bible that... Uh, those that know the Lord in the end, in their death, and go to heaven, that we will be worshiping basically 24-7 around the throne of the Lord. So we need to get our worship on, right? Because uh, 30 minutes is just like the intro when you get into heaven, not even. And it's going to go on for all eternity and uh, around the throne of the Lord. Amen. I'm really into worship right now. I can't get enough. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's a good thing. Hey, so let's see. Before we do our offering... I think I'll do this right away, Sophie and Steve Gonzalez, your family, to come up here. Uh, we've been talking about this for a few weeks. This is the week that they're leaving to go to California, Northern California, to work at a teen challenge. That uh, They actually went to it one time and as a family and uh, received healing and encouragement, came back to Santa Fe and have built a life for their family, and now they feel called out again. And, you know, that's a hard thing, leaving family, friends, your home, taking your children out of school, and starting a new life somewhere else. So it's a bold move, but when God calls us, we need to be obedient. He has great things for them. Why don't you come up here for a minute? And um, I'm going to ask them to share briefly. And then we will pray with them, whoever wants to come up. And uh, come over here, Steve. Or in the middle somewhere. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Here. <laughs> I want them to share. I asked Sophie if she would share briefly, or Steve, or whoever wants to of the family, that uh, last week they had a great event happen in their life, and I want them to share about it. Uh, so at the end of last year, um, the Lord had put it on my heart that my husband and I would be baptized together. Um, it's not, not anything that we're trying to create a new doctrine. It's, it's never been heard of. Everybody we talked about, you know, was like, it's never been heard of. Um, what we went through at the end of last year is we found out just exactly what unity looks like and what it means in marriage, one, one flesh, where you leave your mother and your father and you join, you, you get married, you join, you become one flesh. Um, but before realizing that, what really brought on the unity was that we were going in two different paths, even being married, even living in the same home. Um, planning different things and careers and everything, and it became a conflict, and the Lord used that to show us that he wanted to use us together in the kingdom for his glory and for his purposes. And after a really huge, um, just big fight, you know, we just got it all out. We laid it all on the table. We said yes, you know, to each other yet again and yes to the Lord. And so it was put on my heart by the Spirit of God to be baptized together, one flesh, one mind, one accord, one body, one Christ. And it was glorious. <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, you know, uh, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a very humbling moment for me. It was so awesome because 
we did it together. We were both in the water. We both went down at the same time and both came up at the same time. And uh, it was it was amazing for me. It, it was so freeing, you know, and just that unity to be with my wife. Um, for me, it was like sanctifying my marriage for, for one flesh, one mind, one accord. And because we will be working together, <laughs> we need to be one mind, one accord. And it was, uh, it was just, it was a great blessing for, for me. So, hey, what a great way to start together in a new ministry. Did any of you children want to say anything? <laughs> I bet you could, but I won't make you. <laughs> hey, so I think what we'll do, why don't you come down here and uh, we'll have the elders and uh, deacons come up, whoever wants to, friends that want to pray. Oh, he wants to say something. Hang on a minute. Just before we get prayed for, I, I, I want to give a, a really quick testimony. Um, we were here about, what was it, about a month ago maybe? Was it about a month ago when we got to, to speak about um, what we were doing and going to Teen Challenge? And uh, for many of you that were here, you guys read our letter. And there was an amount on that letter that we were trying to, to, uh, to cap so that we could do our move. Um, for those of you that, that weren't here, uh, we had a letter and we had a dollar amount that we needed to raise. And uh, that amount was kind of, it was kind of big. It was even big for me to ask for it. It was $12,000 to, to be exactly. Um, but I do want to give testimony that through, that through uh, the giving of, of our brothers and sisters, through my work, extra work that I got, and uh, through um, a retirement fund that I had, uh, we surpassed that amount. All right. uh, so I just really, you guys, I, I, I want you guys to never... Cut uh, short on the Lord. Uh, if you need it, ask for it. And, and the Lord will provide. He completely floored me, man. I was like, this is going to be impossible. And he was like, no, I'm just going to give you more. So if you guys just believe, have faith, and the Lord will, he will, he will give you what you need. Thank you. Thank you guys for, all, for everything. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, I'm glad he shared that because that's what we always say is ask big. We kind of sometimes we'll ask a little smaller because we think God may not have enough. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, pretty sure God has enough for all of us to ask for what we need. Amen. Well, Father, we want to just uh, we thank you for Steve and Sophie and their family and the blessing that they have been to us here at the Light. Um, I'm reminded on occasions like this of the Apostle Paul saying goodbye to the church at Ephesus and he's out on the shore and just praying with them. He begins to cry because he knows that they'll never see his face again. Um, Lord, I'm not sure that's the case here. I believe that we'll see each other again. And uh, But it is sad to let a family go and see a family go, but we want to just bless them. We thank you, Father, for, for them, for the, the gifts and talents that they bring, the blessing that they've been to us here at the Light. And, Lord, we do pray that as they go uh, to California that you would open up doors for them, open up doors of opportunity for them to minister in, and uh, even outside of Teen Challenge. And, Lord, we know that Teen Challenge will be blessed because of this family. And, uh, and, God, that lives will be touched and changed, Lord. We know how important that ministry is. Uh, Father, all of us have somebody that we know or perhaps even someone in our family that's been affected by drugs and alcohol. 
And God, it's our desire to see them set free. And your word says that Jesus came to set the captive free. Lord, we pray that they would be so instrumental in that ministry of uh, breaking the bondages and yokes and burdens and um, opening up prison doors and releasing those that have been taken captive, Lord, that they may be free. So we release them with a great anointing, great blessing. Father, ask that you would send them forth with your angels and protection around them as they travel, as they go back and forth. And in their travels, God, just keep them safe and um, deliver them in every situation, every circumstance that would come against them, God, that, uh, that your strong hand would be about them. We pray for that hedge of protection in their life. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 For those of you that may not know, Teen Challenge is a program uh, that people usually go to for a year that are struggling with addiction and have come to the point where they want to seriously get free. And uh, Sophia and Steve and their family would be a great asset to that organization. Let's take up our offering now. Have our men come up. Oh, wait a minute, David. Well, you could have left it in there. <laughs> I know that's good. I'm kind of anxious, too. I love the offering. That's why I do it a lot. Been given so much. It's a great opportunity to give back. We've all been given so much, haven't we? Haven't we? I don't know if anybody watched the horse race yesterday. Oh, my goodness. I was just, yeah, crazy. The jockey right away says, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The owner, multi-multi-millionaire, says, I want to thank God. This is just a worldly thing, but I'm thanking God. Oh, I loved it. Loved it. You know, billions of people watching that race. And then the trainer, he was kind of my favorite because you could tell he wasn't quite there yet, but he's like, I want to thank the man upstairs, too, for, you know, he was, but you could tell being surrounded by all these men that love God that he was starting to catch on and uh, get into it. It was a great thing to see, and great thing to see people just uh, openly and boldly share the name of Jesus on TV. Father, we're so grateful that you are a mighty God. You're a God of great provision. You enable us to do all things. We thank you, Father, that there are men and women that aren't ashamed of your name, of the name of Jesus, but will speak it boldly. Speak it boldly, Father, and that's our heart, to proclaim the name of Jesus for healing, for deliverance, for provision, for reconciliation, for everything that we need and those that we come in contact uh, that have needs for. We know that your name is above every name, that your name is powerful above every name and able to do all things. We thank you and praise you for that. And Jesus, the only name, the only one for salvation, in his name we pray, amen. Now we go to 
good morning and welcome to The Light. Here's what's coming up this week at The Light. Feeding the Homeless will be on Saturday, June 16th. Meet us at 9 a.m. in the foyer to help prepare the food or join us at Pete's Place at noon to help serve. All are welcome to join us when we help feed the homeless and less fortunate of Santa Fe. Help send a youth or leader to summer camp. If you're interested in this, please contact Jason at 505-795-0088. The church is in need of babysitters for various events. Babysitters are needed for Wednesday and Thursday night classes and Saturday morning. This is a paid position. Please call the church at 505-982-2080 for more information. We are now starting our worship team auditions. If you sing or play an instrument and you are interested in this offer, please contact Jordan after the service. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post weekly videos of the sermons and worship sessions. Further details may be found in your bulletin. Please enjoy the rest of your service. day that changed my life like a bolt from the blue started like any other me wandering searching lost chasing the things I treasured running myself ragged day after grueling day the heat unrelenting weariness in my bones my mind an endless pursuit my dreams my life like sand through my fingers Always out of reach. Always over the next hill. Or out on the horizon. An oasis. A mirage. And then, I found it. Somehow I knew this was what I'd always been looking for. Something that would never rust or fail or slip through my fingers. Because of what I found, I was no longer lost.
Right. Can you hear me now? All right. I I can I can go I can I can do this. I don't need no stinking batteries. <laughs> All right. God bless you guys. So good to see you this morning. Um, yeah. Um, you know, just a lot in the news this last week. Uh, you know, the uh, the chef Anthony Bourdain is that his name? Uh, he was worth. Uh, died at the age of, uh, committed suicide, 61 years old. He was worth $16 million. And then Kate Spade, her industry, she was 55 years old, committed suicide, um, $2.4 billion. So uh, for those of you that uh, are, are striving and think that money is the, uh, the answer, uh, according to these two that had everything that, that life could offer, still dissatisfied, still looking for something, still thirsting. Now, Jesus said, um, I think it was on one of the, in John chapter 7, it was called the, the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. It was said on the last, last day of the feast that he stood up and he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and I will give him that living water I will satisfy that thirst. I will satisfy the thirst in him. And when he spoke about that, he says, if anyone is thirsty, right away, there are certain key words, there are trigger words in Jewish language and in their culture that really just kind of sparked a, a reference. And I believe it's in Psalm, Psalm 80, uh, 47 that says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for thee, or my soul thirsts for you. And so there was a connection right away between what Jesus said about being thirsty and, and that thirst that would quench and satisfy the soul in Psalm 47 where, um, where he says, as the deer pants for the water. We good to go? Are we good to go? I think so. Yep. All right, I'm going to transition here. So as, you know, as, as he's saying that, you know, their, their, their minds are connecting. You know, he's saying as the... As if anyone's thirsty, let them come to me. And, and they're thinking, thirsty. I remember that scripture from someplace in the Psalms. And the psalmist said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you. I, I'm thirsty for you. And Jesus is standing there, you know, as the Messiah, as the Son of God, as God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, standing there on that day saying that, you know, when you're hungry, I am the bread of life. I will satisfy you. When you're thirsty, I am the living water. I will, I will satisfy your thirst. I can, I can quench your thirst. So uh, last week we were talking about, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, just, you know, people in the Bible that, you know, that, that don't have a big role, but they make a big impact. And last week we spoke about Barnabas. Uh, his name means encouragement or son of encouragement. And um, remember we talked about how he um, was able to minister to Paul, who was called Saul at the time, but he was able to minister to Saul. When no one wanted anything to do with Saul, Barnabas came alongside of him and said, look, this guy is not the guy that, that you know or that you think that he is. He's changed. He's changed, and I can bear witness that he's changed. And so when no one wanted anything to do with Saul, Barnabas comes along and says, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support. I'm going to endorse this guy. And then we read and, and studied also that John Mark, who was also the nephew of Barnabas, um, who had bailed on Paul and Barnabas on a, uh, one of the missionary journeys. Um, and so when it came time for the second missionary journey, uh, Paul said, look, 
You know, I, I don't know who's going on this, uh, this trip, but I'll tell you who's not going on this trip is John Mark. He's not going. He bailed on us one time, and he's not, we're not going to give him the opportunity to do that again. And so Barnabas, being the man that he was, the encourager that he was, comes along beside um, John Mark and said, you know, he comes to his defense and said, I don't know what you remember about this guy from before, but I'll tell you what he is now. He's not the same person that he used to be. That's the story of, of my life and your life, that I'm not the same person. You're not the same person that you used to be, not because of good things that you've done, but because of what God has done in your life. We're not the same people that we used to be because of God, because of the work of Jesus. And so Paul or Barnabas stands beside John Mark. It said that... Uh, I was thinking about Steve and Sophie when they were talking about having a fight. I, every time I hear that word, I think about what uh, uh, the word the Scripture uses about Barnabas and Paul. It said they had a, a sharp dispute. A sharp dispute, okay? It wasn't a fight. They had a sharp dispute. I, I'm telling you, they had a fight. They had, they had an all-out fight. It was a sharp dispute. That's just Greek for a fight. So uh, that's not really true, but... But anyway, uh, so, but, but think about this. You know, we, all we have are these little clip notes of Barnabas. But without Barnabas, now Paul, and you know, I mean, he wrote the book of Romans and First and Second Corinthians and all the epistles, you know, uh, Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and, you know, uh, uh, Philippians, Philemon, you know. I mean, he wrote most of the New Testament. And I think it's because of, of, of Barnabas, because of Barnabas' support. I mean, I know that God can do anything, but, God, but Barnabas came along to the side of this guy, and, you know, I believe that he gave him the little oomph in life that he needed. And the same is true with, with, uh, with John Mark. The, the gospel of Mark is, is the same John Mark that we're talking about. And so we don't know a whole lot about Barnabas, but we do know that he encouraged uh, Paul and John Mark and John Mark's got a whole gospel. He's got, you know, the, the book of Mark, you know, after him. And Paul is, you know, known for all of the, the things that he's done. And I believe that it's because they had an encourager in their life. So today we're going to look at some other uh, not too well-known people in the Bible. And uh, before we get there, I want to just kind of uh, back this up with... Uh, from the book of Acts, starting in verse uh, 8 of chapter 1. It says, after his suffering, talking about Jesus, he presented himself to them. That means that he showed himself alive, the resurrected body, um, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared over a period of 40 days. He was on earth. After the resurrection, he was on earth for 40 days, visiting different groups of peoples, mostly with the apostles. Um, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one of these occasions, he was eating with them and gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem. This is really important. Guys, I want to just tell you, this is one of the most important verses in the Bible. Okay? I know you think John 3.16 is, but this is equally important. It says that on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father, father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? That's what they had hoped for. They, when they were looking for a Messiah, they were looking for a political leader, not necessarily a spiritual leader. 
They were looking for someone like David was and Solomon was, but more like David. David was a mighty man of valor, a man of war. Uh, there was no enemy that he couldn't conquer. He ruled and reigned. And Israel, uh, at that point in history, and it's never succeeded or gone beyond, beyond that point when David was king, they, that, they were in their glory. I mean, they, they've never succeeded that or, or reached beyond those days of David. And there was a promise that, you know, that there was this kingdom that was going to come and that it was going to be greater than David's kingdom. So they were looking forward to that day. And so they're asking this question, Lord, are you going to restore uh, the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then, and only then, he said, you know, I know you know about me, you know about my, my death and my burial and my resurrection, and you can talk about that, and you can share that with others. He's telling the 12, he's telling the disciples, there was actually a lot more than that there that day. He said, you can go out and you can tell people about my story, which I want you to do. But he said, before you go out and start telling that story, there's one thing that needs to happen. He says that, he says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay? So it was uh, Jerusalem, and then Judea was just a little further out. Samaria, remember the story in John chapter 4 about the Samaritan woman that, and, uh, and also the story about the good Samaritan that the, the Levi and the priest passed by the Samaritan. They didn't want anything to do with him uh, or by, uh, by this person that had fallen on the wayside. But a Samaritan came along and, and helped this guy that had been fallen to thieves and robbers. And uh, so the Samaritans were despised. And so really at that, this point, Judaism was just kind of central in, in Jerusalem, and people came from all over the world. If you were a Jew and you lived in other places, far off places of the world, you would come there to worship. And so, but Jesus is telling the disciples, there's something that's getting ready to happen. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but what I want you to do is I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait there because something amazing is going to happen in your life. I know you know all about me, and you could talk about me today, but he's saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, which gives you the ability to overcome sin and overcome every power and every attack that the devil would bring against you or the demons would bring against you and give you this great anointing that you can speak about my name with power and authority. That's one thing that the people noticed about Jesus. When he would go from village to village, they said, we've heard this message before. We've heard these stories before, but there's something about this man that he is able to speak with power and authority that these other people can't speak like. They can't speak like this. And he says that, you know, I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And when that comes upon you, it's going to enable you to speak greater and with more authority and with more power about me, and you will win hearts as a result of that. And so then we jump forward to Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, we come across a guy named Philip. And uh, we were first introduced to Philip in Acts chapter 6 when there was a need among the Grecian uh, women, or they're called Hellenistic Jews. Those were just simply Jews that spoke Greek. And they were being left out of the daily ministering of distribution of food because they were different. They, they didn't speak Hebrew. They spoke Greek. And uh, so the apostles said, 
Let's appoint seven men that are full of wisdom. I love this right here, just in line with what I just said. They were full of wisdom, and they were full of the Holy Spirit. Full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. Pick seven men like that. And so they picked a, a number of men. Stephen was one of those, and then Stephen was stoned to death. And then Philip was one of those as well. We're going to talk about Philip for just a moment. It says, and an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise. Let me just, a little, little more background on Philip. Philip, in, uh, remember we said that the gospel would go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. Well, we fi first find out about Philip after becoming a deacon that he had got, been called by God to Samaria. This is that, you know, that hands off. We don't want anything to do with the Samaritans according to the Jewish religion and culture and tradition. Nothing to do with the Samaritans. They were, uh, they were a half-breed people. They were, um, they were uh, bred, inbred by the Syrians. When the Syrians had come in and taken over Israel, they were forced to uh, have children with Syrians, and so they were called the Samaritans. And, uh, um, and so they were, the Jews just really despised them as a group of people. But God has sent uh, Philip to Samaria, and he starts preaching the gospel and says, hey, you know what? Under this, under Judaism, no, but under Christianity, yes. You know, the walls are tore down. Uh, God loves you. The, the message is extended to you. Salvation, forgiveness of sins is extended to you as well. And so it says that, I mean, incredible, a great revival, an incredible revival is going on there. And Philip's preaching the gospel and demons are being cast out and, you know, the paralyzed and the sick are being healed and all kind of incredible things are happening. And in the middle of this revival, you know, God says to Philip, hey, Philip, I want you to stop what you're doing and I want you to go down into the desert. It's like, you know, Lord, really? I mean, we got something good going on here. But Philip was obedient. So this is where we're going to pick up. Philip leaves the revival. The angel says to Philip, rise and go south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem, to Gaza. There's a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch. And, you know, a lot of people don't know where a millennial is probably more than anybody don't know what eunuchs are. But a eunuch is a person that uh, in the, how do I say this? Uh, okay, <laughs> you say it by saying it. Uh, a eunuch is a person that was castrated. Ouch. Okay. Um, so uh, castrated and then put in charge of a group of women so that there wouldn't be any problems there uh, or sometimes put in, in places of authority. And that's exactly what happened here. And, and there was a stigma with uh, eunuchs. The Old Testament tells us that a eunuch was not allowed into the temple of God. Uh, so they, you know, they, they suffered from some, you know, I don't want to be with you kind of a, and I was uh, telling Jason this the other night. I, I don't even know why I'm going there this morning. But uh, you can't, as a eunuch, you couldn't come into the temple. But I'm asking Jason, said, how do you think they knew? I mean, is there... <laughs> It's like, oh, it is kind of funny when you think about it. I mean, how, how do you check? I mean, it's just like, you know, you have a screen there or so. I don't know. I just, that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, I'm getting in too deep already. Uh, and so it says that he was a eunuch, and uh, he was the court official of Candace, uh, queen of the Ethiopians. Now, that was not a, Candace was not a proper name. That was a title, like we would say, Pharaoh, uh, king of, uh, of uh, Egypt, something like that. That was a title. So he was the court official 
He was like, he would be considered like our Secretary of State today in charge of, uh, um, you know, in charge of a, a higher up official. And so uh, he was in charge of Oliver Treasury. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So he's come up, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, there are three, three feast days. It was uh, Passover and uh, Pentecost and uh, Tabernacles were three of the feasts that uh, Jews, no matter where you were in the world, you were kind of required to come up to the temple and to, and to worship God. And so uh, knowing, you know, where he's come from, from Ethiopia, he's tra Ethiopia, he's traveled about a thousand miles. I mean, this is dedication. Think about, I mean, you know, no car, no bus, no train, plane. No, you, you're, you're going to get there. You're going to walk. And so think about, you know, that your, your commitment to God, your love for God is so great that making a 1,000-mile walk, actually 2,000 miles because it's round trip, you know, 2,000 miles to go up and worship God. Think about something that's 1,000 miles away. California, Houston's about 850 miles. Um, so, you know, just think about walking that far. And, you know, if you're averaging about 20 miles a day, maybe 25 miles a day, and, you know, walking, it's a, a serious commitment. So he's gone up. He's going up, uh, you know, to worship uh, God during this, uh, this time, this feast day. And he's sitting there, he's actually on his way back, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. We know that he was reading Isaiah chapter 53. It says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And then Philip says, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him, and now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to slaughter. Like a lamb before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, judgment was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And so he's just saying, the eunuch's saying, is the prophet talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? And Philip opened his mouth. I love this right here. This is great. Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture, and he told them the good news about Jesus. And so this passage of scripture was written in Isaiah. It was written about 700 years before uh, Jesus even showed up on the earth. And so what we learned from this, I'm going to just kind of go through a, a few points here, that the Ethiopian was a seeker. He was reading the Word of God, doesn't understand the Word of God, but trying to, you know, trying to dig into it. The Bible says that, you know, when you and I are seeking, you know, when we want to know, it says that uh, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone that asks, everyone, not just some, but everyone that asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. The Bible says in that same passage of Scripture that the Ethiopian was reading in, it's talking about Jesus, talking about this Messiah that would come, and it says that he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquity, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep, that's talking about you and I, all of us like sheep have gone astray, and each one has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him, the iniquity of us all. So all of my sins, this is what it's saying, that he was pierced for our transgressions, he was wounded 
for our iniquities. It says that God has taken all of his sin, all of Jesus' sin, or all of my sin, and all of your sin, and, and placed it on sinless Jesus. Just kind of that day on the cross, when the sky uh, grew black and, and drew black, and, and, and Jesus is crying out, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what was going on. All of my sin, all of your sin, God's taken the sins of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him. God so loved the world. All the sinners in the world, God loved them. And some of you are having trouble with that this morning, thinking, God, you know, I know what I've done. I, I know the dark side of life. I know the things that I've done in life that only I know about. These things have been done in secret. They've been done in a closet. Nobody else knows about them, but God knows about it. And he says that God so loved the world. He loved the world that was full of sinners. There was none righteous. There were no righteous people in the world. Just the world's full of sinners. And God looked down and said, I love them so much. And I've got to make a way for salvation. I'm going to make a way for salvation. I'll send my son, my sinless son, my spotless son, this spotless lamb of God. I'll send him to be a sacrifice and atonement for sins. And on that day on the cross at Calvary, God gathered up all of our sins, my yesterday sins, my today sins, and my tomorrow sins, and gathered all the sins of the world and place them on this sinless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. That's something that you and I can be happy about. Amen? It says that, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, it says that God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And so that, that you know, that, you know, in... in tribal Africa and different places in the world today, um, when you're going from one, one uh, village to another, one of the things that would be common to do would be to bring a peace offering, a peace offering. So when you and I come to Jesus or come to the Father, that we come through the blood of Jesus, Jesus is my peace offering, he's your peace offering, so that through him you and I have salvation. So we learn that, number one, that the Ethiopian was a seeker. The second thing that we learn about the Ethiopian is that he was teachable. He was oppressed. The Bible says that this is the passage of Scripture that he was reading. It says that the Ethiopian was reading from Isaiah again, chapter 53. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter. And as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can recount his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was stricken for the transgressions of my people. Uh, this is a, a classic example of this is recorded in Matthew chapter 26 when Jesus is standing before the high priest and he's standing before Pilate and he's standing before Herod. In all of these occasions, uh, we find something very common. And in Matthew 26, it says this, the high priest after all of these accusations are being made against Jesus, the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, aren't you going to answer? Aren't you going to answer? What is this testimony that these men bring against you? But Jesus remained silent. And so going back to what the Ethiopian was reading, it says that he was led or he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter as the sheep before his shears is silent. He did not open his mouth. We have the high priest standing before the Lamb of God saying, aren't you going to say anything? Aren't you going to speak up? 
Aren't you going to say anything? Now's a good time to say something. But Jesus remained silent. And so, uh, Philip begins to, it says that Philip begins to explain to him from that very passage of Scripture, he begins to explain to him. He tells the Ethiopian, you know, uh, he says, I was there. I, I witnessed this. I saw this. I saw this going on. I saw them lead an innocent man. I saw the chief priest turn on this man. We thought he was a prophet. We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was the Savior. And they turned him over to the chief priest, and they crucified him, and they laid him in a tomb. And three days later, he was raised from the dead, and he's appeared to over 500 witnesses over the last 40 days. And Philip is saying, I witnessed this. I was there. I can tell you what the prophet is talking about. He was talking about Jesus the Messiah who was despised and rejected by men, but God has raised him up from the dead. It was impossible that death could rule and reign in his life because he was the sinless son of God. And so the Ethiopian accepts Jesus, and as they're traveling along the road, they came to some water, and uh, the Ethiopian, after hears, hearing the story about the death, burial, and resurrection of this sinless man, and he believes, he accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And it says they came to some water. And the eunuch says, look, here's some water. Uh, what stands in the way of my being baptized? And he gave the order to stop the chariot. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, listen, this is a great story, that the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch didn't see him again. But he went on his way. He went on down to Ethiopia, and Philip just disappeared right in the middle of him and appeared in Azotus, which was, I don't know, 30, 40 miles away. It just God picked him up in the flesh and just, boom, just in a blink of an eye, moved him. Uh, and he appeared in Azotus, and he traveled about. He didn't miss a beat, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. And so he's preaching to the Ethiopian, baptizes the Ethiopian, and then boom, you know, Philip is gone, and then he's, next thing he knows, he's preaching and talking about Jesus to another group of people. But let me just point out a couple of things, you know, about the Ethiopian. Number one, the Ethiopian was black. Number two, that the Ethiopian was a eunuch. Number three, that the Ethiopian was probably a slave. And so he had a, a lot of things going against him. You know, when he came up to the temple, he wasn't necessarily because he had been, because he was a eunuch, he wasn't welcome into the temple. Because he was a slave, he was looked upon as a different kind of person. And because of his color, he was not among his own people. He was there in Jerusalem, and uh, there might have been some racism, and, you know, he might have felt like an outcast. And, but he's sitting there, and Philip is talking to him, riding along in the chariot, and uh, Philip is talking to him about Jesus and about the love that God has for mankind, regardless of, of, of the color of the skin or the accent or where you're from, God loves mankind straight across the board, all of mankind, regardless of, as I said, what your color, what your race is. God loves man. For God so loved the world. God loves man. Amen. And so the Ethiopian is asking, and I, I believe that, th that what is implied in his and or his uh, question to Philip, uh, he says, look, here's some water. Here's water right here. He said, he's saying, am I in? You know, I'm black, and, and I'm, I'm an Ethiopian, and I'm, you know, 
I'm a, I'm a eunuch, and I'm not all there. And, and some people look at me different that way. And I'm a slave. Are you, are you telling me that this is for me? Are you telling me, Philip, that I, I'm included that I'm not an outcast, I'm not a second-class citizen anymore. Are you telling me that, that this Jesus and this message is for me? Is that what you're saying, Philip? Are you telling me that, that I'm in, that it's okay for me to get baptized? Is it okay for me to be a part of this? That I've, I would be welcome, that I would be accepted in this, this new religion, is this, this new relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. You're telling me that I'm okay? And, and I know that, you know, we can just put a little twist on that today. Are you telling me today that it's okay for me to be here at the light at Mission Viejo? You don't really know what kind of person I am. You don't know my struggles with pornography or homosexuality or adultery or fornication. You don't know that I've been a prostitute. You don't know that I'm a drug addict. You don't know that I'm an alcoholic. You don't know what I'm doing in the deep, dark places in my closet when no one's watching. Are you telling me that it's okay, that, that, that this Jesus is for me? That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that, that this is for you. It's for sinners. It's for sinners. And Paul said, the greatest man and the greatest apostle of them all said that I am the chief of sinners because of the things that he had done. He said, it's for you. And I'm telling you today that this is for you, that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're invited. You are welcome to come in. He's asking you to come in. He wants you to come in today. And so the great thing about this story is, and let me just, uh, I'm, I'm going to you know, answer it with not uh, um, my words, but I'm going to answer it with the words of, of Jesus and the words from the Word of God. And this is on the day of Pentecost. And Peter is standing up and he's talking to the Jews that had just crucified Jesus. And he says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did among you through him. And you yourselves know that this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. What that means is God, this was part of God's plan. The Romans didn't just sneak Jesus away and crucify him. And it wasn't just the Jews that just turned him over to the Romans. It was part of God's plan. This was God's plan. It says, the Bible says that he was slain from the foundation of the world. That means that before the world was even formed, God had a plan that God could see the, the end from the beginning, and he had a plan that, you know, yes, I'm going to create a world, and yes, these people are going to fall away from me, and yes, these people are going to sin against me, and they're going to hate me, and they're going to despise me, but I'm going to love them, and I'm going to welcome them, and I'm going to make a way of salvation for them that they can come and be in my presence forever and ever for eternity through my son Jesus. It says that this was God's plan. It wasn't man's plan. I mean, man may have done it, and may, man have, may have been the instrument, but it was all along, it was God's plan. It says, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge he knew beforehand, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to hold or to keep its hold on him. And then it says... This is good, guys. This is good. All right? It says, and when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart 
and they said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? This is a great, great question, and it's something that every one of you should be asking yourself today. What should we do? Now that we know this, now that we know that Jesus died for our sins, it says that, and Peter replied, Repent, that means to change the way that you're thinking. You thought you could get to heaven by your good deeds, by your good works, but you can't. You can only get there through the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I tell you, this is important, because remember what happened to the Ethiopian. He believed, he believed, he repented, and he got baptized. All right, repent, repent. What's it say? Let's look at it again. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, I want to tell you that many of you are sitting here today. You've, you've taken that first step. You've believed in Jesus. You've accepted Jesus Christ in your heart. But I want to tell you, there's an additional power. Some of you are struggling. It's like, I accepted Jesus, and I've still got struggle in my life. i still got struggle with sin. Well, we're all always going to have struggle with sin, but there is a power that maybe that you haven't received, that you need to receive. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. On June the 22nd, two weeks from today, right here, there's a little baptistry right here under this little lid. We're going to baptize people. You need to get baptized. You need to get baptized. You, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now you need to take the next step. The, Philippi, the, the uh, Ethiopian said, look, here's some water. I'm saying, look, here's some water right here. What's going to keep you from getting baptized? Nothing. So you come two weeks. Two weeks from today, you come with an extra... All right, go ahead. We can shout to God. <laughs> we can shout to God. But two weeks from today... Just bring a swimsuit or bring a shorts and a t-shirt. Bring something. Well, you're going to get baptized. I want you to get baptized. Bring a towel. And uh, if you don't, you show up and you don't have that, we've got shorts. We've got, we've got something that you can get baptized with. But before you leave today, in this bulletin right here, and there's some more on that table right there, I want you to tear this off. I want you to write your name and your telephone number on there. This is serious, guys. You need to take the next step. Those of you that are struggling with sin in your life, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to work in your life. God didn't, Jesus said, I didn't come to leave you as orphans. I didn't come to leave you here all by yourself. I came to send the Holy Spirit so that you would have power in your life. Some of you are missing that power in your life. And you know I'm talking to you today. I want you to fill out that piece of paper. Put your name your telephone number on there. I'll give you some further instruction about baptism. But God's speaking to you today. I mean, this whole message led, led up to this Ethiopian, this guy that's saying, is this for me? Is this, are you sure this is for me? I'm different. I've got an accent. I've got a different color. You know, is it for me? You, you're struggling with your sins, whatever those sins may be. You're struggling with those. God's saying, this is for you. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what you need. You need it, you need it, you need it. Amen? All right. So um, we're going to come around to the table of the Lord, and uh, so I'm going to ask those that are serving, if you'll go get the elements and come back up here. And then this is just a time where you and I can prepare our hearts. I want to tell you that when Jesus left, 
He gave us a lot of teachings, but there were two ordinances that he said, I want you to do until I come back. Number one is taking communion, just remembering the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the second thing that he asked men and women to do was to get baptized. Two things that he's asked you to do. Some of you have taken communion before. The next thing that you need to do, the next thing on your horizon, the next thing on your list is to take uh, to get baptized. I'm telling you, if God's speaking to you, take that piece of paper, write your name on it, put it in, uh, you know, just give it. We're going to have men and women standing back here by the door at the end of the service. And if you need to talk to someone about it, if you want further instruction on this, you know, we'll have some men and women that will be here that will be able to answer any questions that you might have. So uh, the Bible says that um, before we take communion, it says, let a man examine himself. And so just with our eyes closed and kind of our heads down and kind of thinking about, Lord, uh, sins that I've committed, uh, things I did that I shouldn't have done, things that I should have done that I didn't do, uh, sins of omission, sins of commission. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would search me. That's what David said. Search me, O Lord. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Is there anything in your life that you need to confess right now? Anything in, in your life, you just want to just lay this down before the Lord. Just say, Lord, I want you to forgive me my sins. Wash me in the blood of your son, Jesus. Lord, cleanse me as I come and partake of the elements of the, the broken body, the, the blood of your son, Jesus, as we partake of the, the symbols of the broken body and the blood. Lord, I want you to search me. Let me be clean. Cleanse me, O Lord. David said, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. So if you just get up, come and take the elements and go back to your seat. We'll partake together.
So the, uh, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 9, they're talking about the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, he says that they had to offer the blood of goats and rams and lambs and oxen. And they had to do that every year for the forgiveness of sins on the Day of Atonement. But then he's talking about comparing the old with the new, and he says, how much more is accomplished by the blood of Christ? Through the eternal spirit, he offered himself as the perfect sacrifice to God. His blood will purify our conscience from these useless rituals so that we may serve the living God. He goes on to say that this can be done because there has been a death which sets people free from the wrongs that they did while the first covenant was in effect. There is a death which sets people free from the wrong that they did. That's all of us, guys. That's every one of us in this place. There's a freedom that we can experience through the, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And with that, we don't only have the forgiveness of sins. There's a scripture in Psalm 103. He said, bless the Lord. I think I've got that scripture on the overhead. I want you to look at it. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities or all of your sins. Who heals all of your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy and satisfies you with good so that your strength is renewed like that of the eagle. Those are all of the things that happen. I mean, as we partake of the body and, and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not just that we remember what the Lord has done. It's not just that we remember that Jesus died for our sins, but there's that life that we have right now, the right now life, that life that the Bible calls abundant life, life that's greater than the life that you have right now. And guys, I know what it's like. If you've been plagued by sin, if you've been shackled by some kind of sin in your life, I want to just tell you that there is a power of God and the Lord wants to set you free so that you can really experience freedom. So before, if you could go back to that slide, I'd like for us to just read that together before we partake. All right, let's just read it together. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Say it out loud. Come on, let's start again. I need some help with this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like that of an eagle. Amen. God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. Well, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he says, this is my body which is broken for you. All of you partake. 
I never get to this part without thinking about that gospel song. Let's just take a moment to think about it. It says that this cup is the new covenant shed in his blood for, for for the forgiveness of sins. This cup is the new covenant. This is a symbol of what Jesus shed so that you and I could have forgiveness of sins. I'm going to ask you a question. What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? All together. Oh, precious is the God bless you guys. Go out and make a difference in the world.